0: My aim was to welcome and showcase the voices of those who have a unique perspective, a resilient spirit, and an inner strength that they carry with them through life. Well, today's guest is the epitome of all these qualities and so many other beautiful personality traits like deep compassion, sincere empathy, and a positive approach to life. I am so honored to share this space with such an inspirational and wonder filled woman. Please welcome to the program grief advocate and the creator and designer behind the Joyful Jewelry Box, Lindsay Joy Taylor.
1: Hi, Caitlin, and thank you so much for having me. Of
0: course, I'm so honored to have you on here. This is going to be a great interview, and I know that your story and your perspective is going to help a lot of people.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you.
0: Um, I'm very excited. So I want to discuss your amazing jewelry business, the Joyful Jewelry Box which helps bereaved people remember their lost loved ones with meaningful jewelry and keepsakes. But as I understand it, your jewelry business wasn't always geared toward this community, but shifted that way as your business progressed. So can you share your deeply personal connection to grief, which made this transition towards working with this community a very authentic path for you?
1: Absolutely. So I have been in business. I started the Joyful Jewelry Box about five years ago. And when I opened my business, it was really out of a season of necessity. Um, And so in the beginning, it wasn't Remembrance Jewelry, it was primarily bohemian chic designs and whatnot. And through that process and figuring out what the next season of life was going to look like for me, it kind of became a full circle journey, if you will. Um, And so my story actually starts really early on in the beginning. Um, Unfortunately, my mom was killed when I was 13 months old. She came home during a home robbery and they shot her when she walked into the house. And so I have grown up really not only with a deep understanding of grief firsthand, but really I don't know anything different. Um, I don't remember my mom. I don't have any memories of her. Um, And yet as I've gotten older, as much as I didn't know any different, that grief has really taken a hold of me, if you will, as I've really understood just everything that I lost and everything that she lost and how tragic it was. Um, and so through that experience, I would say I was a little bit of an old soul growing up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, you know, I was a bit of an adult in a kid's body. And then now that I'm an adult, it's it's interesting. I feel more like a kid in an adult's body. Um and all of those experiences, while they were deeply connected to my mom, obviously, I didn't necessarily know that at the time. So, growing up, I kind of had this dream that I would be the next Dr. Laura. Oh, <laughs> I love that. She, before she, um, you know, she's got an interesting reputation, but she's added so much. Right. <laughs> to the industry, in terms of, like, really discussing um, our problems openly and and really being being frank and vulnerable about the grief and and trials and tribulations of life so i always knew in some way shape or form that i wanted to encourage and support other people i can't say that i knew that it was going to be grief and loss per se um and then in high school i took my first psychology course and thought this is it i want to be a therapist fast forward I went to school for communication studies and then also got my master's in counseling psychology. And in the middle of that program, yeah, I decided actually that being a therapist wasn't the best fit for me. Um, And so I was actually working at a mental health agency at the time, and a host of things just kind of happened at once. That's what I mean when I say that that I started the business out of necessity in terms of being laid off, knowing that I wasn't gonna pursue counseling as a profession anymore, and really what was this gonna look like? And then as I began to work with a mentor, um, in terms of like my business vision and in the future, it really became clear that growing up in the absence of my mother, um, I used to get a lot of comfort from her jewelry. I spent hours and hours digging through her jewelry box and really just I don't want to use the term play, but playing and touching and really just connecting with her and not even necessarily knowing that that was the case. So as I really sat down and sort of figured out, okay, I know I want to serve this world. I know I want to help people. How can I do that in a way that serves me too? Um, And it kind of just all came full circle. It just, I figured out that there was this piece um, of grief support that I had had in my life this this entire time that I never really knew, and so ultimately I wanted to be able to share that with other people as well. Um, and the name specifically, I want to I want to comment on that. Um, oh, in yes. terms of You know, the Joyful Jewelry Box might be an interesting choice for a business that um, revolves around grief and loss and remembrance, and yet also my middle name is Joy. That was that was a very intentional choice of my mom when I was born. Um, My family was going through a really hard season and she chose that name to really represent the joy that I brought to their lives in spite of that and ultimately that there's still light in the dark, you know, and so it's interesting because growing up I didn't, I didn't understand that I didn't appreciate that I didn't really grasp that she had given me tools before she even
0: left exactly Um, and she sort of gave you tools throughout your life you're playing in the jewelry box she gave you the name like it was really the path was unfolding before you and you didn't even realize these little things were planted exactly life that's beautiful
1: exactly so that's why i say you know just kind of stepping stone and stepping stone of putting all of those pieces together um and here i am
0: (laughs) and so it's just so amazing because your uh loss is different in a way than other people's because it's sort of like you have a totally different perspective than a lot of other people I know who have suffered loss and are experiencing grief and in a way it's it's all like you said all you've known and you grew up that way and so I've known you for about a year and to know your personality and how joyful you are and how amazing and positive you and how much you live life to the fullest it's so amazing to see that your life sort of started off in such a traumatic way And you've really navigated so beautifully with such a grace and dignity. And I think that's such a testament to your personality. And I'm sure that although your mom was not here physically to guide you, it's beautiful to see that she guided you. She's been guiding you all along when she was here with you, with all the things she's left you and just who you are. She's part of you. You're so kind. (laughs) You're (laughs) going to make me cry. It's so amazing. I mean, like. and, oh, and the picture, the picture that I'm going to put on the social, I feel like, do you feel like you look a lot like your mom? I do,
1: actually, yeah. you know, and it's, um, I really appreciate that, and I've heard that so much as an adult. Um, I'm really trying to consciously appreciate it, because, you know, as I get deeper in this community and hear about other people's experiences, I hear women who, that's all they want to hear, is somebody to tell them that they look like their mom. Or, right. Um, and so that's actually been a really... Um, an unexpected gift that I didn't really anticipate to get back, um, and it, you know, and it helps me see myself in a more fair light. I think. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, we all we're always our own worst critic. And oh, yet my of course. Mom was, my mom was beautiful, and um, I'm just I feel really grateful that I get to carry any of that forward for her. You know.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: but you're so sweet, and it's just thoughtful and intentional in in saying all that and I appreciate it but you you nailed it in the sense that what's very different for me is that I don't have a before and after. Right. Right like for me I get that my identity is not grief. That's that's simply not true and yet I have to be really really intentional of separating those two things because it started from the moment go for me, you know. And so in terms of the immediate aftermath you're absolutely right like I couldn't process that as an adult. It's simply, you know, as an infant, one day my mom was there and one day she wasn't. Um, and so for me, that really manifests, um, I do have complex PTSD. Um, and so for me that manifests as attachment trauma relationships are really hard for me. Um, in the sense that they create a lot of fear and anxiety in me. Um, I'm not, I, I, how do I say this I'm really proud that I haven't shied away from relationships as much as they make me uncomfortable but as an adult I really can see a lot more clearly um how those patterns and how that rupture kind of plays out if you will
0: yes and do you feel that in your only in your family relationships or with your friends as well
1: all of my relationships all of
0: them wow
1: yeah um
0: yeah and all how did you just <laughs> yeah I know that's that's hard but you are married correct
1: I am married. Yes. Right.
0: And so you, you are making the active effort every day to, to work through these trauma, I mean your trauma, and to continue Absolutely, the relationships yeah. and not let it hinder your life, which I think is a beautiful testament to who you are. Thank you. Um, and how did you come to realize that you said you have complex PTSD? Is this something because of your history and studying therapy, and or is it from going to therapy and talking it out with somebody else? Like how did both. you get this both? Okay.
1: Yeah, so I actually started therapy when I was uh, 21. Okay. And that was really, I was really depressed and really anxious and I was in college and there was really a, a host of different things, but the, the simplest way to put it is my reactions weren't really matching what was happening on the inside. Oh. Um, you know, I was having a lot of um, just fight or flight constantly, you know, if somebody would touch me on the shoulder, I'd freak out, for example, and so little things like that became clear in the sense of, I something's going on that I can't quite put my finger on, and when I first started therapy, I had a great relationship with my first therapist, um, and yet, you know, in, in the last 14 years, we've come a long way in terms of mental health and all that, and so she wasn't trauma-informed, I would say, or um, wasn't Trained um, in trauma treatment. And so that was much more of a stepping stone in terms of enlightening me to bigger issues, if you will. Right. Um, and then the therapist that I have now, she is a trauma specialist. She does EMDR. And through my work with her, it's become really clear in terms of um, that diagnosis. And yeah, I, I'm sorry, I left out a piece. When I was writing my thesis, in college, that was when it really became clear that that what happened to me as an infant still very much happens to me on a daily basis, if that makes sense. It does make
0: sense. I can only um, imagine. And, yeah. And so
1: that, really looking through that lens, is what opened me up to deeper work with my current therapist. There we go.
0: That's perfect. And so you think, in this case, a trauma specialist is would absolutely be what someone would need? your in a case like yours like because you would just need someone who's trained in those in that field it just i'm sure it makes all the difference compared to your last therapist
1: it definitely changes it changes everything about the approach really and the lens in which you're looking at what happened um so for me specifically yes i think at this point it's absolutely necessary um I think a I think an important piece to make a distinction about though is that it's not required for everybody who's experienced loss um, at such an early age. Um, what was unique for me is that I can't say that I had a real stable attachment figure after my mom, um, you know. I, family was just so traumatized and really doing the best that they could right. and that doesn't mean that they did terribly it just means that we were all really surviving um and so I don't really what I did is I shut down you know and so ultimately I became a, an easy kid right and so that that indicates that there aren't necessarily issues to a lot of people
0: um, so they thought that that you were sort of Doing okay, despite what Yeah, and I think
1: we all thought that about ourselves, right? Like, I mean, I was a kid, but I think all the adults probably thought that. And so, um, you know, I definitely became very close to my sister. She was a tremendous support to me and much more like a mother to me than a sister.
0: And how many Um, years older is your sister?
1: She's six years older. Okay. And my brother's eight years older. And so while we're all very bonded – and we can depend on each other for everything, I think that we were all so traumatized, right? And I was in such a crucial time of development that I don't think that the follow-up was enough to really create more security for me.
0: Does that make sense? No, that makes a lot of sense because, okay. you know, I did wonder, this happened when you were 13 months and you're not in therapy until t- in your 20s. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, yeah, that was my sort of my first thought is how are you go- getting through all these years without anyone ever su- suggesting it? But like you said, if you're just sort of blending in and not making, a you know, not making trouble in a way, like sort of just getting exactly. by and being a, a quote unquote good kid and doing what you're supposed to do, they're just like maybe thinking, okay, she's Okay. Exactly. Wow. And now did your older siblings do therapy at a, because they were a little bit older at first or not? They didn't do it either.
1: Um, so right after my mom died, I understand we did do a little bit of crisis therapy, but okay. again, um, I can't really speak too much to anything really about that. Right. Um, how long that was, how effective that was, etc. cetera. Um, and so my sister actually was a great model for me. She started therapy when she went away to college. And so that was really where I knew that that was going to be an option for me. Um, for my dad and my brother, they handle things a little differently. And, um, and that's okay. Honestly, doing this work has really actually helped me broaden my... My understanding of how different we all handle such hard things—it's so
0: personalized. Yeah, even within a family, I can yeah Yeah. can only imagine. My experience is the same. That every person in a family is just going to handle it so differently. Mm -hmm. But I think it's it's amazing that your sister sort of led the path for you though, which is nice because I know in a lot of families—not saying yours—but in a lot of families, therapy, there's still stigma with that and going to therapy. (laughs) And so it's sort of, you know, makes it a little bit easier if someone in your family sort of goes first and shows you that this is okay and that this is something that's, this is an option for you. Absolutely. So I'm sure yeah. you're very grateful to your sister. Yes, for that.
1: I am. And, and too, it's, it, it, it's so true. All families have opinions and fears and, and yada, yada, yada. But that's been one really neat part is that in, in my family, at least is that we've all really tried to honor each other's process. Um,
0: that's beautiful. That's yeah. really a gift because yeah. I'm not sure that that would be the you know, the same for every family.
1: It, and it's not, you know, and so it's, I'm grateful for those conversations. the first time I thought about it, but again, it's just, you know, it's nice to take those moments of, um, of gratitude and like real acknowledgement of like, that it didn't destroy us, you know?
0: Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Because it definitely had the potential to, I mean, it's so traumatic. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Wow um now as an adult you're you've been in therapy for a long time do you feel like it's something you're gonna have to continue forever it's sort of like a lifelong process of growth and exploration of yourself
1: you know probably
0: <laughs> yeah i think. So. I mean yeah there's so I many mean, layers yes. of ourselves to uncover
1: yeah um you know i'm the biggest therapy advocate in general um whether i'm in it or not actively i will always um be a supporter of it. And it just continues to point me back to who I really am outside of my grief. Right. And, um, and I suspect that I'll probably need, uh, encouragement like that forever. So <laughs> yeah.
0: I think that's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate for therapy and I'm always trying to tell people that you don't have to be at your worst to ask for help. You don't have to necessarily have had a huge trauma. If you feel like you need that little bit of help that it's always okay to reach out and ask and i think the biggest thing i saw something online the other day that said you don't have to be at your worst to ask for help and i think that's huge you don't have to wait until it gets to that point um yeah if you're feeling that inkling i encourage anyone who's feeling that they could benefit from therapy to just give it a try
1: well and two that it's i hesitate to use the word easier that's not really Super descriptive, but it is easier to navigate all of the challenges and to find your person when you're not in crisis.
0: Oh, that makes sense. You Absolutely. know, and yeah. so
1: and so often, you know, crisis hits and then we're like, where do I go? Who do I ask? How do I tell them everything in two seconds? Exactly. Right? Whereas if you can build that rapport, and that's another thing too, is... If you feel like you need support you get to sort of dictate how that's going to go they're going to give you the recommendations but that doesn't mean you're going three times a week that doesn't mean you have to go every week you know you can sort of find a find a system and a rhythm that works for you oh
0: absolutely so. and i feel like i know a lot of people who go in and out of therapy like exactly. they go for a yeah. few months they're off for a few months and just sort of like like a check-in yeah with yourself which i think is always yeah. good um okay so your your jewelry business started out of necessity and you were doing all sorts of bohemian fun jewelry and then what was there one particular thing that led you to the to doing bereavement keepsakes and jewelry or just sort of natural progression were you getting a lot of requests for that or how did working that with a mentor off? oh okay. working with,
1: yeah so i worked with um danielle from the maryweather council oh yes he yes. is um a great handmade mentor in general, um, not even a mentor, she's my mentor, but she is an excellent teacher, she's lived it, she's done it, and, um, she basically created a mastermind, invited me to be part of it, it was pretty incredible, um, another thing that just sort of fell in my lap, and through that progression in terms of what do I want my brand to be, what do I want my mission to be, I don't, um, how do i say this i love jewelry and it's fun and all of those things but it wasn't really where was the connection to my mission and um wanting to improve the world and serve people in a vulnerable way you know and so literally i mean i remember one night being in the bath <laughs>
0: right you know all those ideas that's where from. all the best ideas come yeah, from and it just sort
1: of all clicked you know um in terms of really wanting to provide support to other motherless daughters and figuring out that the jewelry was a a way that I could do that, that I could help them honor and carry their mother's memory forward. And in doing that, they were helping me do the same,
0: you know? Wow. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's perfectly, if you put it in the word brand, it perfectly fits your brand in that more than a brand, you know, it's, it's just authentic to who you are. It just seems like a perfect fit of how you with your story and history your personality and your perspective how you would be helping the world and helping others you have gathered a community of people with your business and they all share the commonality of loss so i imagine when people are placing their orders for the jewelry and keepsakes they may also be sharing with you because you share a bit about your story Mm -hmm. so they might feel like you're a safe person to speak to um, but being the empathetic and compassionate person you are, do you ever feel overwhelmed by these stories or do you ever feel the need to set boundaries? Because sometimes it's hard when when you're sort of navigating your own grief to also take on or be immersed in someone else's story, especially when you're empathetic and compassionate. So do you ever feel the need to have to set boundaries or, or take a step back?
1: Absolutely. Um, it's actually interesting you ask that because this year... Specifically, I really made an intentional step to kind of cut back or step back um, the amount of content creation that I was doing because, frankly, I was just wiped out. Um, And yet, I also want to say that I have a really beautiful community that really (laughs) is really respectful of my time and my boundaries. Oh, Um, that's
0: so nice. It's really
1: nice, but it became clear that I was the one who wasn't. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I was constantly going to show up even with that, even if I was exhausted or I had to write a post every night because he needed these people to feel seen and heard and and, um, and ultimately it just became really taxing for me. Um, so I scaled back in terms of the amount because ultimately I'm not here to just hit a bunch of marks. I'm here to connect with people on their stories and, and really on their hearts. Um That said, though, I think that I think that that was really clear for me, not really clear, but as I moved toward this work, I've really continued to remember that I I knew and figured out that I wasn't a therapist when I was in school. Right. Because of exactly what you said, I didn't have the boundaries and the ability to leave it at work didn't have that capability to sort of separate my heart from my client's hearts um and so I actually this is the perfect fit because while I do make myself readily available I still have the boundary of um controlling my schedule right like if I was a therapist certainly you still get to do that, but I, I need to show up for my clients every day,
0: Absolutely. you know, whereas
1: this way I'm a lot better able to honor my own needs in terms of, Hey, I don't, I don't have it to show up online today. Um, and so I really used that lesson from school and therapy and really tried to bring that forward here. Um, and so that's also too, I mean, not only because I really am very clear about the boundary that I am not a therapist, I'm a grief advocate, Um, so I will listen, I will offer support, um, I will share my experience, but I am not in any way, um, analyzing your healing process, if that makes sense. Oh
0: yeah, totally. You
1: know? Um, and so anyway, all that to say, yes, but I feel like it's also a perfect fit because I can step in and step out as I need to, um and my community is really respectful of me doing that. Um, And the more respectful they are of me doing that, the more I want to show up for them, if that makes sense, you know? Um, And it's interesting too, because when I have hard seasons, when I have hard days, like I want the same support that people or the same comfort or the same whatever that people get from my space, right? So it's an interesting boundary because I want to go out and find that support for me too, but then it also, it just I have to check in my with
0: myself you know oh it's so important I feel like yeah. that's a, that, you hit a lot of points that I just I'm, I'm over here nodding in agreement um, I just don't want to cut you off but yeah no um I feel the same way because when I post on Wonderfield I always am trying to post something positive or something that can reach someone and I try to post every day um, but sometimes I feel the same way like I'll just be so tired it'll just work 12 hours and I'm like oh I'm supposed to post but you know, because people are going to be looking forward to it, or that someone might need this, or someone might need that little reminder or pep talk, and then sometimes my husband's just like, "No, you have to take care of yourself first. Like, you don't have Wonderfield to be a chore or like something mm-hmm. that you're dreading doing. It's supposed to be something that brings you joy. And so when at the moment that it doesn't, or if it's just too hard that day, you just have to skip that day and for just sure. take it for yourself. And so I think that's so important to set boundaries for yourself. And I think you're right. I think. It really, your life really, I know looking back, it's always easy to tie it up with a bow the way your journey went, but it really was (laughs) going in the way it was meant to go because this is a great fit because I think you're right. If you were like in the therapy setting, it just might've been too overwhelming. And where would you set the boundaries? And it would just be a little bit harder to have those clear lines where online and with your, you still have a big community and they're so loyal and so loving and respectful Um, that of course they're going to be okay with you checking in and checking out as needed. Because you have to, like I always say this, I'm like a broken record, you can't pour from an empty cup. So you always sort of have to check in with yourself. Um, So I think that's so amazing. But it's so great that they are respectful because I know um, sometimes I think when people have certain um, social medias geared toward a certain brand or community, they might feel like they've opened the door that people feel comfortable to sort of just like always be... You know, DMing, always being con- mm-hmm. in connection with them because you sort of sure. are that safe place. For sure. Um, um, yeah. So I think that's good. Boundaries are key. That's something I'm still learning in life is setting boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that
1: was something that maybe I said it or I didn't, but in terms of what I was saying about where I struggle with relationships, um, I would say boundaries is a big piece of it. and. Um, I'm trying to like think of a specific example and the best one that I really can give though is work Um, when I used to work in offices for other companies I got a lot of um, fulfillment and identity out of being the reliable one the conscientious one, the friendly one Um, you know all my friends or how do I say, most of my coworkers became friends. My bosses became friends and it just, it blurred the lines, right? It wasn't like I was coming in and trying to save everybody or expecting everybody to save me or anything. It just really, it, it all became wrapped up together. And it was harder for me to separate any of my self-worth or my identity from all of that, if that makes sense, right? Really like if, 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 if conflict blows up in all of these relationships, well, then I'm broken. I can't be in a relationship. There's something wrong with me. Well, no, actually, you learn those.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's hard. I know. Yeah. It's
1: been a good practice of that in terms of really living what I living what I say, you know, in terms of those boundaries and whatnot. So,
0: Yeah, I think that's huge. And
1: another piece, too, and I was going to say this later to a different question, I think, but I very much operate in the way that. I try and do what I would hope people would do for me, right? And that's a double-edged sword. Definitely. Um, because there's, you know, inherent expectations in that and, and we're all so different and et cetera, et cetera, so.
0: Oh, my mom and I say that to each other all the time. Like, you all, we always end up usually getting hurt because you expect that people would do the same for you that you would do for them. Exactly. And it's unfair to put that expectation on the other person, but because you would do it, it's really hard for you to not like to understand why they're not doing it for you, but you can't, mm-hmm. like I have to yeah. learn to not put those expectations on other people. For That's sure. not on them. Mm-hmm.
1: And the boundary that, that the, all of those things are not wrapped up in your your worth and your identity, you know, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Okay, well, it's safe to say that everyone in this world will sadly suffer loss in their lifetime. It is one of the harsh realities of life. So that being said, though, everyone experiences their first loss at different seasons of life. Like, I have some friends who luckily, and I'm so glad, have never experienced a great loss. And then I have other friends who have, you know, like you, a friend of mine now, who have suffered loss from such a young age. So what advice would you give to someone who may not have yet suffered a great loss themselves, but they want to be a source of support for a friend or a loved one who is grieving?
1: Sure. Um, so to piggyback what we were just saying, um, mostly I say, keep it simple and show up for them the way that you would want them to show up for you. Um, and and I say that for a few reasons. Um, again, obviously, like we just said, you can miss the mark because we're all so different and yet it's important because it'll ensure that you actually show up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like not to make it about ourselves but we all are you know i mean we're human beings we're self-absorbed and i don't mean that in a negative way i mean that as a fact um, right so we come to our friends and we're so anxious and nervous and we want to relieve their anxiety and their pain and we want to help and blah, 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 right
0: absolutely
1: and we we kind of complicate the whole thing or we don't show up because we're so damn scared right so pick something that is simple that you feel comfortable doing that you know you'll actually follow up and do right so that's sort of my overarching thing um listen without judgment listen without fixing um you know i have a go-to statement that that I hesitate not to say the statement, but I, I, I hesitate to say that it's go to it because I don't want to insinuate that it's a platitude, but I often say that's so hard, right? People feel seen. It is so freaking hard. It is
0: so hard. To
1: insert whatever they're dealing with, right? And um, you've named it. You've named how hard it is. You see it, you're offering empathy, and they can really sort of take that where they want it to go. Does so that make sense? They can either say, yes, it is so hard or.
0: Um, Usually they're saying that it is so hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is or no or. For,
1: yeah. Or thank you for the support. Or, right. Um,
0: People just want to be seen and, and exactly. felt. Right. Yeah.
1: Um, I would say don't assume that they do or don't want to talk about it. You can ask them. Yeah, it might feel uncomfortable, but it's a lot less uncomfortable than everybody doing this weird dance of like, "Well, how do I show up and what do I do?" And was this right or was this wrong? Just
0: I think ask. yeah, that's a, that's so you true. Know? I think people, I think that happens more than we think. Like, people are afraid, so they'll just keep distance, yeah, and then the person exactly. who's grieving just feels like they're grieving, and now also everyone's distant, so it's yes, like doubly exactly. doubly hard. So. Yeah, I've always wondered, we spoke before we started recording that I've also had a lot of loss in my life. So I have sort of have navigated through that and learned sort of the not right and wrong or the do's or don'ts, but sort of uh, what to how to navigate. And I just feel like you just never want to leave someone alone. Um, but yeah, for someone who's never suffered loss, I've always wondered for, for that person what's going through their mind. And, and that's sort of why I ask, like, what advice would you give to that person? Because they don't really know what to do and they've never been on the other end of it, thank God. Um, but yeah, it's sort of hard to navigate. Um, mm-hmm. that that's being, hard to navigate. Yeah, that being said, do you have any like trigger phrases or platitudes that really sting you when you hear people say them regarding grief? I do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so there's a lot, you know. I mean, there's there's tons that I don't love. I would say the one that hooks me personally and really hurts my heart um, is when people say everything happens for a reason. Oh, that's Um, on my
0: list. Everything happens for a reason. No,
1: (laughs) yeah, you know. And so, like, I don't want to take that away from like people that gives them comfort and meaning, but they don't get to incent. They don't get to force that onto somebody else, right? Right. Um, And ultimately. It's just not comforting to people who have experienced traumatic loss. It just is not,
0: ever. Because how, yeah, cause, because how can anyone ever feel like there was a reason for this loss? Like
1: Yeah, or that there was a conscious choice in the universe of, of times when it's necessary to intervene and times that it's not, right? Like, we're never going to know. We're never going to understand. And so while I recognize and empathize with our human need to, like, have a story and to create clarity, that's not our job. No. That's not our job ever, nor is that our job to do for other people who are hurting. Right? And ultimately, again, when I said that, like, if that's what you believe, not you specifically, you being people, that's absolutely fine. But I'm willing to bet you came to that decision on your own. I'm willing to bet you woke up one day and said, damn it, I can't do it like this anymore. How do I make it different, you know? It's not because somebody said, you know, they wouldn't want you to be sad, um, right? And so that's really where I get hooked in the sense of, I don't often find that those phrases are ne- necessarily comforting to the person who needs the comfort. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, yeah. Because some of the ones... are the person saying it, and... Uh, and I think it's important
0: to be aware of that. Yes. Because some of the ones that like when when you're upset and grieving, you've just had a loss and you're crying and someone says, oh, don't cry or it's okay. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And that moment, that's like sort of the last thing you want to hear because mm-hmm. it's not okay and you have to cry sometimes. <laughs> it's yeah, just like absolutely. inevitable. But yeah, absolutely. so I... I I think you're right. I think it's hard is a great one. It's hard. This is hard. And you know what I always say to people? This sucks. It just really yep. sucks. Like,
1: Another good one. Yep. Yeah.
0: Like there's Or just... this effing sucks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when we're off there, that's truly how it really is. Because that's just like you said, it, I think the biggest thing is just to be there for people and to make them feel seen and felt because the worst is to just feel alone. Like no one understands and everyone's just sort of looking at you with the side sideways nod, like it's okay. Everything happens for a reason. Those are so, so hard. Yeah. Oh and to feel
1: validated, right? Like, yeah, we want to feel seen and heard, but we also want to feel like somebody understands. Absolutely. You know?
0: So. Yeah. So show up for your friends, guys. Be there. That's just the biggest thing. Like... I think just be there. Yes, Don't shy. Don't shy away. And I think the person who's grieving uh, will likely set their boundary. I always say, um, you know, when something happens, which sadly I've done a lot. I make the phone call and leave the voicemail and say, no need to call me back. Yeah. I just want you mm-hmm. to know I'm here. I know of course, like, I'm sure you don't want to talk right now. I'm here if you want to talk, but no, no pressure to call me back. And so right. I sort of think that leaves it in their court. They, you know, they know you're there when they're ready. I've sort of always liked that when people would that yeah. for me. So yeah, I yeah. agree.
1: And two, I think the, I, I love that you said the works for me, right? That's sort of what I'm saying again, like. Do it in a way that you want people to show up for you in the sense of, again, whether that's action, word, deed, whatever, you know, it's, it's really just having that awareness of I'm bringing myself, I didn't just learn this because somebody told me else, somebody else told me that this would work. This is, I feel connected to this statement or I feel connected to supporting you in this way. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Find
0: what works. Yeah, exactly. It's like the golden rule, right? Like treat others as as you would like to be treated it just goes for everything. Like what would you want the person to do in that moment? Um, Okay. Well, the former teacher in me always plans these interviews like a lesson plan. And so part of my lesson planning was always providing extension activities that could be done to continue learning beyond the initial lesson. So in these episodes, I try to provide um, not only amazing stories, you know, lots of different perspectives um, with my guests, but I also try to supply extension resources, if you will. So do you have any resources you would recommend to listeners who may be grieving a book or a podcast or something else?
1: Yeah, I actually wrote down a few different ones, oh,
0: okay. um,
1: so I would say my go-to is sort of rotate. I do a lot of reading. Um, I do listen to a lot of podcasts, although I can't say that I have one go-to that I'm like, this is it. I, I like to kind of bounce around in terms of stories that relate to grief and and wellness and making meaning and all that kind of stuff but um so that's why I kind of have a handful of tools um but in in terms of books there's two books that stood out that have been incredibly helpful to me personally um the first one was the dead mom's club by kate spencer um you know and it's a super blunt title and I kind of loved it um
0: it puts it right out there. You know it what it really does. Get.
1: But again, you know, people either really like that or they really don't. So um, I'm just gonna just own it. It's it's a very blunt title. I liked it. She made me laugh. She made me cry. She made me mad. She made me sad. Like I really just I appreciate it. It was very. Uh, it was a perfect mix of memoir um, mixed with uh, <clears throat> grief support and really talking about. Um, her experience of grief after losing her mom to cancer as an adult. Um, and I was I was really surprised how much I still related to it because that's been a big struggle for me in the sense that my situation is so unique. So many people, the person they grieve, they had a relationship with them, they have memories of them, they have um, sort of these, I don't wanna say clear cut um, triggers, But a little bit more clear.
0: Right. Every
1: everything for me was non-verbal and pre-verbal, so it's it's kind of ambiguous that way. So I all that to say, I appreciated that I related to her. I feel like it could speak to a wide audience. Although I will say, um, there's a lot of pop culture references.
0: Right. So if you're not
1: if you're not into that, then it might not be your style. But I just it kind of hit all the marks for me. Um, another book that I loved was called Confessions of a Funeral Director by Caleb Wilde, and um, I loved it. It's It can be a triggering book if, if death specifics um, are upsetting for you, not, not you specifically, but as a reader, um, it may not be the best choice per se, and yet it really... The perspective was really death positive and really uh, bringing death and grief out into the light and analyzing sort of how the funeral industry has contributed to the ways that we distance ourselves from death. And I just, it was fascinating. I loved his approach. I loved his perspectives. I just, it, it was great.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. That sounds yeah. interesting. Because that is such a, wow, such an interesting <laughs> career choice. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure I can only imagine the stories and things that he's seen and heard and experienced.
1: Yeah, it was it was really enlightening and yet also really comforting. I really liked it. Um, and then the last book is probably like one of the main grief manuals, grief support manuals out there right now. It's called It's Okay That You're Not Okay by Megan Devine. Um,
0: I love that title.
1: Yeah. It's just... It's full of a lot of practical discussion about grief in this day um, from kind of all the facets. It's much more of like a textbook, but there's a lot less stories, you know. It's very very much more grief um, handbook, if you will. And that could be,
0: I I imagine, very helpful to a lot of people. Super, super
1: helpful. It Just in terms of... um, our approach to grief, you know, as professionals, as friends, as family. Um, yeah, I just think that as a griever, you'll feel really validated um, by everything that she talks about in there.
0: And I love that title because I sort of love that allowance, that it's the, giving the person the freedom to feel that it's okay to not be okay. Exactly. Because it really takes, you know, any embarrassment or any... the a person's just not feeling well, having a bad day it's sort of just like makes them feel like it's okay. Like you can feel this way. You're going to go through all the emotions Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And then it's normal. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's the biggest part, right. Is like relating and, and just sort of like opening the conversation. Everyone feels these, uh, there's a lot of like commonalities when people are grieving, although everyone grieves differently and is unique. There's a lot of things that are going to be similar. And so if we can open the discussion to talk more about it in our society, then I feel like how much more seen would we feel? Mm You know, like how and much, how much
1: allowance, too, for both, right? The things that we do relate on and the things that we don't, you know? Yeah.
0: But I sort of love that the whole... I really love the shift that I'm seeing. And I see it more on my Wonderfield page, but I think that's because I fo- I'm very mindful of who I follow. So it's sort of like the whole... Everything I see on my timeline is pretty positive. Um, but I sort of love the shift I'm seeing on social media of like end the stigma and sort of like the themes mm-hmm. I see um be more open mental health is physical health mental health matters um i sort of love seeing that shift from how social media was a few years ago um and sort of what did people say like it's the highlight reel and now i think people are being a little bit more real
1: on, absolutely on there
0: which is a nice nice to see
1: i agree but that we can connect on that too right not only that we're all sharing it but that we can also that we can connect in the ways that we don't feel great, right? Um, I don't know that I that that's coming out exactly how I want that to. But more in the sense of like, it's so often we feel like for people to like us, it has to be all these great, shiny, like you said, the highlight reel. And I think it's a great reminder that actually, no, that's not what we're looking for, right? Like it's easy to fall into that trap. But the more that we do this, the more that we recognize that people do want to meet you, the whole messy you. Yes. You know? exactly
0: yeah Yeah, just like seeing too much of the glossiness is what for me personally would only ever make me feel like oh my gosh like I really don't have it together (laughs) like look at this like literally picture perfect things going on in the world so when I started to see that shift I was like oh my gosh I'm not crazy it's all okay
1: (laughs) exactly And it's okay that that it's not okay yeah and I'm and I'm thinking that because none of us were ever saying this to begin with
0: oh yeah right Yeah. yeah Well, I'd like to add too that your business and your online presence are also truly beneficial resources as well. So when we're you know making a list of recommendations for people, we would be remiss to not add in the Joyful Jewelry Box because it is so much more than a jewelry business. You're not really selling just jewelry like I've heard you say in other um, outlets. It's more like selling a message and you're selling you know yeah. that idea that there's a community and I think that's amazing. Um, so I of course would always have to add the Joyful Jewelry Box to a list. And actually I have on a previous episode mentioned the Joyful Jewelry Box as um, an outlet uh, for people. I think it was my Uh, anxiety and depression episodes so yes 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 (laughs) you've been on here before even before you were on here um but i know that your business has expanded from just the jewelry line and that you've teamed up with abundant affirmations to create a grief affirmation deck and that provides important reminders to help those who are grieving reframe how they view the grieving process so i love this it's pretty brand new um can you tell us a little bit more about the grief affirmation deck how it came to be who could benefit from it and what you hope people will take from it
1: yeah absolutely thank you um so i have been longtime internet friends with jen and she actually owns the company called abundant affirmations um, and so she has a few other products where with um one is a self-worth affirmation deck there's a money mindset affirmation deck and those are actually the two that i started working with a couple years ago because I knew that I had some growing edges there and I wanted to support her. And so, through using the, primarily the self worth deck, I realized that I was actually using affirmations to help me with my grief this entire time and I didn't really realize it.
0: <laughs> it's amazing. I feel like that's a big theme for you. Like yeah. it just, it's all shows itself. Your path just shows itself as it really you go. It really
1: does, yeah. And so I realized, you know, that, that, that a lot of the messaging that I had really adopted and created for myself and then really that's infused throughout all my work, um, those were affirmations. Those were beliefs that I had to create and change. To help me cope with my own grief right and so it was using her product actually that showed me whoa wait a minute I I've already been doing this I know how powerful this is right and that doesn't mean that I don't struggle by any means but I was the one who decided that there is no timeline for grief I'm the one who decided that my grief mattered I'm the one who decided that I can be um both sad and hold space for joy at the same time right and so um And so it really was just kind of like a light switch. It was like, whoa, wait a minute. I I have this. It's in my mind. I've been using these this entire time. You're like, I have
0: a deck inside of me. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And so it was actually really cool because once it kind of all came together, right, I just went through my brain and I wrote the entire deck in probably less than... 20 minutes oh my gosh um, because again it was just like what has helped me get to this place to do this work to support other people what are the beliefs that i told myself or learned to adopt that got me to this place so all that to say that i went to jen and said i have this great idea i think it would be a beautiful product but even more so i think that you're a good partner because joy is an abundant mindset right and so that's a big piece for me oh. is is holding as trying at least to hold as much space for joy in my life as I have held for my grief, um, and so it felt like a really natural fit in all of those details. Um, luckily, she loved the idea, and so more specifically, they they the the deck will benefit who anyone who has experienced loss, but I would say most specifically, they're geared toward people who feel like. They struggle with feeling like they should get over their grief. Um, They struggle with making space for their pain or they struggle with feeling guilt for wanting to feel joy again. It is designed for anybody who has experienced loss. That said, I think it's really important that anybody who picks it up understands that um, it's a deck that is intended to help you grow through your grief not just make space for it, right? And so if that's not, if you're not ready for that, that is absolutely fine. I just think that that's an important detail for people to have. Um,
0: so it's not say, necessarily for the person who has the fresh, hasn't sort of like felt the feelings and gone through it. And it's sort of, yeah, I mean, it will be a different timeline for everyone who has suffered loss. Um, they may get there at a different rate, but it might be for someone who's a little bit
1: further along in their journey.
0: Right, right um, yeah.
1: I, yes and no again I'm sort of like I don't want to shoot myself in the foot here because it absolutely is designed to help people right like if you get a deck a deck of these cards early and lost it's going to help you cut off and reframe all of the societal crap that you believe that you didn't even know you believed about grief right so from that standpoint it's a tremendous benefit I think it's important that people understand that the goal of it is to bring you back to a place of where you can enjoy all the parts of your life or excuse me, hold space for all the parts of your life and so if joy like if you're so early on in your loss and you're like screw joy, I don't want anything to do with it, I will never feel joy again right? I will hold that space and that possibility for you (laughs) Yeah, because I believe that maybe that could change and yet i also respect where you're at and so i think it's important that i don't want people to feel sidelined by that again it's sort of just going back to my name too like yes we're holding space for grief but we're also holding space for the good side too right so it's a grief affirmation deck in terms of creating support for you to reframe how you look at all of it and yet it's also intended to help you understand and fight for joy in your life again Right? And so I think it's just a, it's about being mindful of of yourself and your needs and where you're at in your own process.
0: I love it. And I would imagine that because grief and healing is not linear, um, that every time you pick up a card from the deck on a different day, it might hit you in a different way. And exactly. You might, you might think something different. It might take you in a different thought process. So whereas there is only a limited number of cards, it really is endless and what it could get back to because on a different day, when you think about it, when you read a quote, one day it might just be a quote and when you read it the next day it might be like you see online all the time someone might comment that's exactly what i needed to see today or i needed this reminder today so some you know it's endless how it could benefit you depending on the day depending on the affirmation and the deck is beautiful Thank i you. love that it's so beautiful Thank it's you. aesthetically pleasing in addition to being very helpful
1: Thank you. Well, and that was a big piece of um, why this came to mind, because I had kind of poked around over the years and nothing spoke to me. It all felt very unrealistic, really. You just didn't feel grounded in how grief really feels and how it really kind of plays out in life. Um, and so that was a big piece of wanting to do that. But another part that I didn't mention that I think makes these so unique is that on the back side is a negative belief or lie that we have about grief Um, my grief no my grief doesn't matter nobody understands me this is all my fault I should be over this by now Um, insert whatever Um, you struggle with in that and then they are then intentionally paired with the affirmation on the front right so it's not only that you're choosing um, to look at grief in this way you are literally reframing how you were taught to look at it before
0: I think that's amazing it's because it's not just the positive affirmation I love that you have that because I feel a lot of times people have those negative things running through their mind and maybe the positive affirmation alone wouldn't hit that you know like wouldn't necessarily make you feel all the way but when you actually see it in writing the negative thought that you've been taught (laughs) for whatever reason this we're taught this it's just so nice, again, to make to feel validated, to feel seen, to feel heard. And then Please flip sure. it around and have that positive effort. This is like a brilliant, amazing thing. And once again, what a good fit for you. Thank you. I appreciate and that. And it's just so authentic. It doesn't feel forced at all. Like it's perfectly paired. Just like the affirmation and the negative thought are perfectly paired. Your, all of your things in your brand are perfectly paired with you. I appreciate that. Thank you.
1: Um, but to just add maybe one last part about what I was kind of rambling a minute ago, that reframing piece, maybe that's where I was trying, what I was trying to articulate. When you are in shock and crisis and fresh grief, reframing anything is really,
0: (laughs) yeah, that's not really part of it yet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so that's more of what I was trying to say. Like, I don't want to make a decision for anybody because there's plenty of people who are going to say, I'm going, I'm not going to let this wreck me from the moment go right and then there's other people who are like holy shit what happened my whole world imploded and it takes them 10 20 30 years to even get any clarity you know and so I just wanted to make that distinction in the sense of like if you're not in a space where you can embrace that I think it's okay to honor that but I also too like I said I will hold that positive, the space of that possibility for you at the same time
0: yeah i think that's perfectly said. yeah that's exactly true because like you said people from sometimes from the jump are like ready to go reframe ready to find the joy or turn it around not get too like yeah to go down that road too deeply but yeah it just depends on the person so it's not -hmm. it's not to say it's not necessarily for the person who's just experienced it's just depending where that particular person is in their thought process exactly so yeah. it's not necessarily like a timeline because there is no timeline, as we know. No,
1: exactly. Yeah, it's just really more, it's sort of what I was saying before, like everybody has to decide their own meaning. Like the truth is very, truth is truth is truth, and yet it's still very relative, right? Absolutely. Like in the sense of your, the, your meaning is not going to be my meaning, right? And so sifting that out
0: absolutely well i believe too that music can heal i talk about this all the time with family members of mine like we will get caught in a song and we can play that song over and over again and just it just does something to you and i know that you're a huge fan of music particularly live music i see you at your concerts (laughs) i know this is a passion of yours yeah (laughs) um do you feel that music can be a form of therapy for you absolutely there's something about
1: you know for me personally i think not only does it does it help me with my grief but i think it really kind of pushes its way through my trauma. It really helps me feel connected to my body in a way that I don't in most other areas of my life. And I really I wish I had more to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> in the it's, sense of like specifics. But it speaks but for like, itself.
0: Like music yeah, is powerful. It's really just something
1: about, um, because I have felt so identified by my grief, because I have felt like it has determined so much of my path. Um, Music is the one place where it's just me, right? In the sense of um, whatever is flowing through the experience and i feel like i'm being really vague
0: (laughs) no but i think anyone who has an appreciation for music and has they're like nodding in agreement fully screaming in their car that they agree with you
1: (laughs) yeah it's just there's something about kind of putting all of those emotions and sounds and sensations putting it all together in a way that translates what your experience is into something that's beautiful right and I, i don't know that my goal is to (laughs) To make my mom's, to make my story beautiful per se, but I, I don't want it to all be for naught right and so there's something about that rhythm in there that kind of brings all those pieces together um and i don't think you know perhaps it could even have been that my mom really liked music and how fascinating that is because it wasn't something that i ever shared with her you know right um but like as i've read letters and whatnot they used to go to concerts back in the day and there's a lot of references to music um especially at a time where i would say maybe just society wasn't offering as much entertainment or you know what i mean like uh, how do I say
0: this? <laughs> yeah, no, because she was making it a, a priority. Because now you could go to a concert any night of the week, For exactly, any city in the every, country. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anywhere, everywhere. It was more of an right. effort then.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially like as a mom and financially and kind of all of those things. And so that piece has really stood out to me. Um, and so I feel like it's kind of a it, kind of multifaceted. I can't really pinpoint one specific thing, and yet, as someone who gets really, um, who is sensitive to a lot of overstimulation, who doesn't love crowds, kind of all that stuff, it's the one strange exception in terms of really just feeling connected to people, and myself, and the world, I guess, so.
0: It's amazing, too, and I feel like, sometimes for me, it's like a release, like, I feel like in a song... If you just play it so loud, a lot of times in, in a concert, some somehow you can still somehow feel alone, like it's just your moment, like you're just there alone listening to this concert. Um, and I just feel like it's a release, like you can just let go.
1: That's a great way to put it, especially when you said like the piece about you can be there and still be alone. Like I, I don't know that I, that I operate in the world um, all that concerned about, or maybe... I don't know that I'm consciously concerned <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about what other people think so much. And yet at a concert, like I have a very um, like clear, I don't care who's behind me. I don't get, not meaning like I I'll be in their way, but like, I just don't care what I look like. Oh, I don't yeah. care if I can dance. I don't care if I look silly. Like there's, it's the one sort of place in my life where I give myself freedom. So, yeah.
0: So, is it any wonder why you love concerts so much? Because yeah, it's right? not such a nice feeling. <laughs> I love Seriously. it.
1: Seriously. Especially, too, because actually, this is a great discussion because I mean, grief makes you feel really weighed down. It definitely doesn't make you feel free. So,
0: so it's nice to get that feeling where you can. Yeah. And of course, yeah. if you get that feeling somewhere, you want to have it again and again. Yeah. So, absolutely. sort of, yeah. Yeah, because it's so heavy. So to feel light when you can, you have to take those opportunities. For sure. I know a, f- a friend of mine. Um, she's grieving at the moment, and she uh, she goes to co- this one band, the concerts. She goes they, she goes to them all the time. She almost like travels with them, and she just loves this one particular band. And they just she'll go from city to city, and it's always fresh for her, always new, and it's always therapeutic. I love and she's it. hearing the same set. It's the, some, sometimes one night after the other. And it's just like so helpful to her, and I just feel like it makes sense. And I'd like to add too that you created a very powerful playlist on Spotify. Um, oh, thank you. Like the grief, the grief uh, playlist, and people can follow up by signing up on your website. And I think that people who are grieving and have that deep love for it and connection with music can really benefit from that. So I, I really agree. love how you're branching out from the jewelry, which is so beautiful, touching, and amazing, and loved. Um, but to sort of like other things other resources i'm all about the resources i just love when there's different because on a different day you need something different so i love that there's like endless resources
1: thank you and actually to to add to that um there was another thing i wanted to add besides the books oh yes there is one podcast well actually excuse me there are a lot of grief podcasts i made a list actually um that I compiled and I'm going to be checking them all out and doing like a roundup of them, I guess. Um, for my newsletter subscribers as well. So, if that's something that anybody's interested in, they can sign up for. Um, and not a roundup in the sense of like, oh, I think this is great and this one's not great. More of like, <laughs> 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 this is being offered by this organization. This is the focus, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, just doing more of the
0: due diligence of like what they're about, yeah, who so, they're with. So
1: far, with. I have like 10, but more specifically, there is one I want to mention today, and it's called Grief Out Loud.
0: Oh, I like that title
1: too. Mm-hmm. And it's a podcast and it's by the Dougie Center, um, D-O-U-G-Y, and they are a nonprofit in Oregon that provides um, grief support services for children, teens, and young adults. Um, and yet the podcast seems to be more geared toward um, young adults and adults. So it's been going on for about three years. It's full of resources. So that's definitely a good one I would start with. I
0: think that's great. And anyone... I really think a lot of people could benefit from signing up for your newsletter too because you do provide a lot of resources. And again, very aesthetically pleasing. You're you're an artist thank through you. and through.
1: Um, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, and then actually, believe it or not, it is on my, my list for next year to get my own podcast going.
0: Yes, please. Yes. We need yes. you. Thank you. We so, need you in the community. Um,
1: it's been... Uh, well i mean per dr laura
0: (laughs) all your dreams are coming true i have to say it's been kind of back in my
1: mind for a long time and actually this is sweet you'll love this so when i did the interview with um Kaj and tj oh yes um i had a lot of people actually tune in live which was really just so cool (laughs) so cool Um, people are really encouraging and supportive of my work but um but i never necessarily anticipated it to be like a priority where they would cut out a section of their day to show up to listen to something live right and so um on the drive home i was talking to my brother and he was like you have to start a
0: podcast absolutely and, um... but you just never know like i feel like when i reached out to you about TJ's podcast. Like I just sort of found you online because and I just knew you'd be a great fit for his podcast, but you just never know whichever what every opportunity is gonna, you know, what other opportunity will come from that. For sure. And I feel like that's so beautiful, the journey of like one thing always leads to another. And it always does.
1: Yeah. Um but it was really neat to kind of get that confirmation externally. Of course it was my brother. It's family Um, And yet, you know, to have that from him was really cool. And so it just felt like a a full circle moment, sweet memory attached to that experience specifically. So anyway, I just want to say thank you. I love
0: that. That's very sweet. Okay. So I just wanted to finish up with a few games to sort of lighten it up. I know that yeah, well, our conversation had, you know, I had the light moments too. I just feel like these, like this conversation was so meaningful to me. Um, But it's always fun to end with a little game. So Um, This one's rapid fire. So just quick little answers. Um, My favorite word is? Vulnerable. Oh, I like that. Happiness to me means? Peace and contentment
1: is what came to mind first. And then secondly, my husband and my dog.
0: Oh, I love that too. What's your dog's name? Trooper. Trooper. Yeah. Uh, The best concert I have ever been to is? That might be hard.
1: (laughs) That's gonna be hard. Okay. Um, Okay. I've got two that are coming to mind, so I'm gonna mention them both. So I saw Mumford and Sons at the Greek in Berkeley, I don't know, four or five years ago. That was amazing. Uh, Amazing, amazing, amazing. Um, A very emotional experience. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum.
0: (laughs) I love your diverse music tastes. Right,
1: yeah. I'm pretty diverse with my music, and this will be a good example. Uh, The other end of the spectrum was ACDC. We saw them at the Save Mart Center in Fresno, I don't know, maybe close to 10 years ago now. And holy, what a party. I mean, that's really all I can say.
0: Oh, yeah. I love that. But I love that, too, right? Like, it just shows the spectrum of personalities, too. Like, party time and like. So emotional and meaningful and memorable. Yeah. That just like sums you up perfectly. Okay, last one for (laughs) rapid fire. Something on my bucket list is skydiving.
1: Ah
0: Oh, are you gonna do that? That's amazing. (laughs) I don't know, right?
1: Like that's why I'm screaming. That's um there was a period of time where it was on there and I was like, hell yeah.
0: And then there's now these days I'm a little bit more like, what am I thinking? You and can't yet, think was, too much. It's one of those you know, things you can't think too the much. the thing that came to mind, so that's
1: my rule, right? Don't overthink it. So I guess, <laughs> I guess it's really on there. Okay, if you
0: do do it, you have to put it on your story so we can come along with you for the ride. <laughs> okay, I have a few uh, would-you-rather questions. A five-star restaurant or a beach picnic?
1: Mm, beach picnic.
0: Love that. Spot a rainbow or listen to the rain?
1: Oh...
0: I want both.
1: <laughs> I was just going to say, um, those are two different sensations. I'm going to go ahead and say, listen to the rain though.
0: I love it. Um, fame and fortune or love and wisdom, love and wisdom. Okay. And now this one's specifically for you free. Co- Cause I know you love coffee, coffee, mm-hmm. yoga concerts. I got it figured out. <laughs> okay. But free. Okay. <laughs> free coffee for a year or front row seats to an amazing concert. Oh, yeah, no, front row seats. <laughs> front row seats. You'll, front row pay, front row seats. <laughs> you'll pay for your coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like where your head's at. That's right. That's great. Okay, well, Lindsay, I want to thank you so much for being on the program today. I admire you so much. And when I created this podcast and made a vision board for the first year of how I hoped it would manifest itself, you were in truly in my top five dream guests. Um, I admire your spirit, your kindness, and how you so beautifully honor your mother's legacy with the very name she blessed you with, Joy. And so that being said, I just want to plug a few of your um, social medias and where people can find you because I know after this conversation, people are going to be getting their jewelry, their grief affirmation deck, signing up for the newsletter. So on Instagram, it's at the joyful jewelry box, right? Mm-hmm, correct. And that's the website as well. The joyful on Etsy, correct. they can find you the joyful jewelry box. And then on Twitter is a little different underscore joyful tweets underscore. Yeah. I couldn't fit the whole name. I know, (laughs) but they'll find you. And I like it. Joyful tweets. That's so rare. Usually tweets are so snarky. (laughs) It'll be nice to read the joyful ones. Um, okay. Is there anything else you wanted to add or do you feel good? Do you feel good where we left it?
1: No, I just, thank you so much, Caitlin. You have such a beautiful spirit and heart and, um, I really can't say it enough. I know that that you were really the mastermind behind um, finding me and connecting me to do the power of love show and, and really just even being able to now do um, wonderful week. And I just, I really appreciate your support and encouragement. I, I can feel how genuine it is. And I just
0: thank you. Wow. And thank you. I, I've been, like I said, we connected about a year ago and it, I feel like it was meant to be a, It was great to have you on The Power of Love, but I felt a connection like, oh, something else is going to happen for Lindsay and I to be connected. And I just love following your journey and I love to see it grow. So I look forward to seeing what's next and I can't wait to listen to your future podcast.
1: Likewise. Thank you. It's going to be
0: so great.